Welcome to the Long Front Podcast. I'm Tom Barbelay. A lot of things have changed. And really, my hope is over the recording of the past few podcasts, you might have gotten some of that through the recording. And apologies, because I think genuinely there was a kind of negative light about everything that was going on with regards to the Postal Service, the miniatures, future companies, future directions that I wanted to take. But what I've done in the interim is really refocused on the elements that I want to continue with. And what I'm finding fascinating currently is in writing. So, for example, with the rules that were post-Britannia. Let's start with that. I wrote a series of short stories around these Britannian people, like what they were like, what their dreams were, what their hopes were. The kind of 1% of the Britannia folk that the rules were supposed to capture that had moved from slavery or peasantry out of agrarian farming into you know, a variety of interesting trajectories. I mean, for example, one of them became a relics dealer, right? Was a farmer, liked the relics that would come through the town periodically and changed their lives to become a relics dealer. Similarly, uh, you know, sailors or really just fisher folk, simple fisher folk that developed their sailing sufficient to be the transporters for adventurers, you know. So there were these stories, uh, six or so of them that I wrote, which were the basis for what Britannia would become, like what the rule system was supposed to invoke, what the rule system was supposed to allow, and the trajectory of these characters as being independent radical entities, really, and just seeing a rule system that could deal with their life stories, so to speak. And this was a fascinating process because it, it came back to agriculture regularly. It came back to the fact that the only way to really make productive money or at least get to a point where you could escape your environment or at least create something to maintain your environment, which are labeled some form of escape, was through agriculture. And it was through the choices, perhaps the luck, but really the environmental choices that the players made with regards to agriculture and their setting, which is a very strange game and not the game that I had originally planned on writing through the process. So... Agriculture without question is going to play a part, but I don't want to play the entire part. And the role of rumours also became fascinating as well. So together with agriculture and rumours, these were the two bookends that the rules system kind of developed through the initial review. And I want to go back and say that my thinking has changed fundamentally. I've tried to explain this to Barney Dicker because he's still exploring this in his own thinking associated with Kickstarter-esque things and you know, whether these things can generate money sufficient to produce them or what have you. So my thinking around that, which I've tried to narrate through these podcasts and probably have come through a little bit, let's say, is the idea that I wanted to have... I was very enamored, obviously, by Livingston and Jackson. I was very enamored by the way they built up Games Workshop, and my thought was maybe I had some hope to do this myself. What I found, however, was that the problems associated with the postal service, which I'm really not even going to go into, be it private postal service or, you know, standard postal service like Royal Mail or, you know, Australia Post or, you know, the US Postal Service, just basically limited that possibility and added a risk to that circumstance, which made it not only unplausible, but really unpalatable and as unfortunately probably has fallen into some of these podcasts, fit into a psychology of just negativity and almost depression really came through the whole interaction with this thing. So before probably leading into the COVID pandemic, I was always very much a digitalist 
in terms of maintaining everything electronically, creating physical copies for those that wanted physical copies, but, you know, not having physical things. And removing myself from the physical entities, the miniatures, these things, has been a real... I don't know, it's just... It's it's funny, because obviously my mindset had changed to it, and now my mindset has changed away from it. And now I've changed away from it. It has not been a reaffirmation of my previous thinking, but just a sense that, okay, you tried that, Tom, and it didn't work, and it was clearly the wrong way to do things. And that doesn't mean in the future there might not be the possibility of these things, but it means... In the present, that's not a possibility. And moreover, I've kind of revitalized, like I've removed myself from Kickstarter. I'm not, you know, okay. The Wood Elves was the last thing that I put money into. I probably shouldn't have put money into that. But I'm not putting money into, you know, three, four Kickstarters a year. I've pulled back from that. And ironically, what's the guy's name? Brandon Anderson or something? The the fantasy writer who broke Kickstarter recently. I've been watching his um, lectures He's an interesting character. The whole thing is very curious to me. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brandon Anderson, if that is his real name. But he is an author who wrote four books through the pandemic and then put them up on Kickstarter and got $25 million through Kickstarter for that. So obviously there are parts of Kickstarter that are really working for a bunch of people and hats off to them. But in finding out how to do that thing and the risk and the... You know, certainly what I found through, you know, losing staff or potentially losing staff or just accepting having lost stuff through the postal service. My view is that it's a different world for me. So I have to, you know, ultimate hippie terms, live my truth and they have to live their truths. But I found him a genuinely interesting character and I've tried to read some of his books. And that's where it comes down to me, the trying to read the books part. Because I think that's really where I kind of break away from that thing, is that I'm not interested in making stuff that, a large portion of the population gets excited about because they have a particular perspective, a particular insight, and they're not really interested in getting into a certain degree of depth. Now, I don't want to placate the the man or his readers, more importantly, but it does strike me that he has created a formula which kind of breaks down Asimov and, and Tolkien to an amazing level. Now, that's great for him. And I think it probably works out well for a majority of the folk that consume his stuff. But I've just found it a very interesting, I don't know, space to enter into and review like an outsider. So if folks aren't familiar with Brandon Anderson or his writing or his Kickstarters or any of the above, I think genuinely it's worth looking up just to see as a phenomena that there is a very strong parallel kind of fantasy science fiction world or series of worlds that are embodied by a variety of folk that are very interested in those things. And if we can generate something that might be interesting to those kind of people, so much the better. But it does seem to be, I don't know, it just I, it's caught me recently, and particularly folks that talk about Kickstarter and success through Kickstarter and, you know, this being the pinnacle, I would thoroughly recommend people check out Brandon Anderson and his lectures, because his lectures are genuinely fascinating. They're very much an example of someone who has found a formula that he very much likes, which is wonderful. And the fact that he gives the formula away through the lectures or the better part of the formula away is, you know, even more interesting. So let's just put that down as a sideline. Worth looking into, I would think. And I'm interested in more talking with folks that have done the review and get their sense associated with the 
I don't necessarily want to say cult-like elements, but there are some curious parts of the thing. So worth reviewing if you're considering Kickstarter or these kind of means as a way of making money. And he's put in 20 plus years. This has not been a triviality for him. He's created this audience over a, a detailed process. And it's interesting, actually, because the audience, or at least a percentage of the audience, constantly threatens to rebel, which comes through in the lecture series more than anything. So that's an interesting aside for folks that are wanting to look at Kickstarter and you know how you can make certain aspects of this thing sustainable business. But my view is, and I've spent some time also working through SimCity Line, which I'm putting in different podcasts. I'm putting into Long Funk around this one because I don't necessarily want to bore folk with the SimCity Line discussion. But it is, you know, these things are just aspects of my life that exist and need to be nurtured and need to be put out and whether or not they form any kind of success or become, you know, a long-term source of income or these kind of things seems to be to be more than secondary currently. I think it's considerably more important just to get these rule systems out, get them play tested and just have them available in some sense. So I guess my philosophy has changed with that. Maybe literally, maybe even a podcast again. I don't know, but I did want to record another one. Of these my rules are better just to say, here's where I am currently. So my relationship with miniatures, the lead pile, that stuff is pretty well over. I'm trying to, you know, April is the end date with regards to my historicals, and Rachel Rochford is basically getting to the end of, of a large number of projects. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to record occasional podcasts kind of geeking out at miniatures, because certainly one thing over the pandemic that has happened is that a number of folk have gotten rid of some amazing collections, let me just say. And I've been able to acquire some amazing collections, let me just say. Which, in parallel to the postal system going to pot and various other things, it's kind of difficult. But Rochi holds some of these, and he's been able to get them back to... small number back to me through Parcel Force. He's still got a few more to go. So there's an end to the lead pile in sight, which I don't want to necessarily narrate through this podcast as being an end to any kind of miniature discussion through this podcast. But it's certainly a physical end for me, and I think it'll change, I hope it'll change, the focus of this podcast back to rules and back to rules writing and creation, which is ultimately what it was supposed to be from the start. I reflect on the time where I was getting my podcasting room ready to be the right kind of podcasting room to start playtesting environments and things like that, which would have been probably 2018, 2019, literally when I started recording this podcast. And I'm in a similar mindset with regards to getting aspects of my life just ready for moving forward. The writing, thankfully, is is kicking back up. It's something I can do in the evenings um, once the babies are asleep. And it's something I've been returning to, as I've already narrated, taking existing writing or writing that I've done for the purpose and moving it more into this is what the rules are going to look like. So where are we currently? We're at the end of March. So... I had talked in a relatively positive term, maybe on podcasts that were never even released, about getting rules out in this kind of time frame. Still could. Still could get basic playable rules out, probably. Well, it would be the start of April. But I'm in that stage where, with a bit of effort, I could put two to four pages together quite comfortably and base a reasonable game with me holding a majority of the work, not actually giving to people, but the players having two to four pages. Possibility. May still happen, but my view is I'd much rather write 15 pages for the players and give it to them with the four pages of rules. 
and we'll see where that goes. So don't hold me to any date restrictions. I'm going to probably record another one of these, actually talking more about what happened to the Britannia rules. And But I'll also probably talk about, you know, stuff Rochi has sent me, <laughs> a variety of other things through this podcast. So my hope is that I'll be able to get to more regular recordings and whatever happened to Barney Dicker, you know, perhaps get back into some discussion with him too. He seems to be moving in a variety of different directions and hasn't had you know, the similar life experience that I've had through the pandemic. So it's actually quite interesting to see the directions he's going because these are directions that I've kind of poo-pooed, so to speak. But we'll see what way it goes. And hopefully I'll uh, put out a few more of these podcasts to explain. Tom Barbalay in Las Vegas, Nevada, signing out.